Fresno, 97.5 K248BR in Santa Cruz and online at kpfa.org. The time is 3.30. Stay tuned next for Cover to Cover. Welcome to Open Book. I'm your host producer, Nina Serrano, with engineering assistance by Paul Richards. My guest today is writer Lenore Weiss. She'll be reading some of her latest work, including her hot-off-the-press book of poems, The Golem, Poems of Love, Loss, and Being Mortal. I want to share with you my review of this deeply moving and comic collection. In Lenore Weiss's collection, The Golem, Poems of Love, Loss, and Being Mortal, published by Hadassah Word Press, Lenore Weiss transports me to where my own wounds of grief and love reside, revealing to me my unfulfilled longings, still flickering, but hoping to be at least acknowledged. She offers the reader, and perhaps the writer, the courage to go forward. Although Weiss never backs away from devastation, there's humor throughout Golem, certainly in the remarkable closing section of this three-part selection called Golem. I expected folklore, perhaps a Jewish version of a leprechaun, fairy, or genie, but no. This Golem is made of cracker crumbs and cheese and is always ready to mock the poet's search for the end of loneliness. The last seven golem poems, written with an elegance of form and skill, become a crown of sonnets, with the last line of one poem becoming the first line of the next. Throughout the collection, Weiss focuses on love and yet confronts issues like AIDS, fleeing refugees, concentration camps, breakups, death of parents or family crisis. Weiss's poems don't pose for the camera but allow life's blemishes to show, not hiding from life's disasters, yet finding its humor. Each poem shoots out roots to the earth's center, connecting us all in our struggles, joy, and sorrows. Lenore is about to graduate from the MFA program at San Francisco State University. Congratulations, Lenore, and welcome to KPFA's Airwaves. Thank you so much, Nina. It's just a pleasure to be here this afternoon. Can you begin by reading the poem of introduction to your unique protagonist, the golem himself? Thank you. I'd be glad to. It's called Creation of the Golem. He floats toward me like debris from a Shreveport wreck. And in a last-ditch effort to ban his jetsam from washing up on my shore and decomposing on freshly clean sheets. I create a profile before God and country, list six things I could never do without, six things I don't know what to do with, tap on my keyboard three times and post selfies, bait to catch the wandering eye and the charms of a local Lothario. A blitz flirtation that leaves me watching Netflix on most weekends, stuffing my face with cheese and crackers. 
Did I mention I'm able to transform energy into living matter? I squeeze the extra cheese cracker mixture sitting on my coffee table into a little man. My idea of a living boyfriend with a strange tattoo on his forehead. He says it's the olive. Already he's talking back at me. So that was the introduction, and this is a poem later on in the sequence, and it's one of the crown of sonnets that Nina mentioned, where the last line of the sonnet begins the first of the next. This is called Golem Speaks Truth to Power. Between earth and sky and the bearded light of filtering stars, I walked away homeless, death trailed close behind like a poor relative. But tonight, something in the smell of the earth got to me, and for the very first time, I saw how the moon stared down at this crippled planet, which made me think that despite mud hurled about my being no more than an incantation, a slob, murderer, miscreant, knew that my heart was in the right place, my feet not clay, truth, the right hand. My heart was in the right place, grown children in the bloodlines of my inner space, a practice run for laboring over my cheese and cracker man, whose birth I toasted with a dark beer. Sounds weird, I know, but I was thirsty. For if women can give birth, then cloning life can't be such a far cry, especially when what used to be cold is now hot and hot-cold. There's a climate of combined elements, letters into a genetic code. It took trial and erratum to reach the golden gateway, but like solitaire, I dealt the right hand the right hand. Golem doesn't get jack. Stepping on broken glass, a breeze cried out, hopped over to the parking lot and dealt the right hand, for on that evening, no one was giving out party favors. I cared for silence, stood inside my comfort zone, let others listen to the chant of social media a chorus reporting on the comedy and tragedy of this joyless age. Let memory be my salvation. Let me not be called forth as a drudge to lug water up the hill and be given jack, holding in my mouth the key to liberation. All I ever had to do was say no. All shadows in the world are screams. That's a selection of some of the Golem poems. Marvelous poems. Love them. Your publisher, Hadassah Word Press, has said that, quote, the Golem is a collection that speaks with the voice of a feminist writer who stands on the shoulders of her ancestors, Jewish-Hungarian immigrants. I'm not one, but two generations erased, you said. Can you read some poems about your own family history for a poetic taste of your background? Thank you, Nina. This is called Saguaro. 
Both of my parents died when I was quite young, so my mother in this poem is a shade. Saguaro, my mother slips egg sandwiches and a tall thermos into a plaid insulated bag. Then my aunts, always ahead of the game, one negotiates rocks with a gimpy leg, the other carries a bowl and a tennis racket. Through a fence of children, alive, they rarely had a good word to say to each other. Renegades, artists, weavers, dreamers squeeze my hand, knowing how my heart's been juiced, a bloody Mary. My family has come to join me. I don't ask how they got here. We rappel down a ridge spiked with saguaro. Aunties remove clothing and swim beneath a waterfall. Each one thinks the other is too fat. I refuse to get in the middle of it. After lunch, they escort me back to the parking lot to check the meter. Mom says there's still more time. Dental hygiene along the bayou. The hygienist doesn't gossip about her boyfriend, a home improvement project, or whatever she was planning to do over the weekend. Bangs cover her eyes, mask her mouth, a friendly mole in a smock who divests my teeth of tartar. There are no clouds painted on the ceiling, nothing like the West Coast dental office where the receptionist gives out cards reading, Get Drilled at Ernie's. Sitting in this chair outside the window, I see a garden matted with orange zinnias and yellow snapdragons, a place where water from the faucet cannot be trusted and guns are a hobby. She reaches for the water pick, not the assault rifles on the streets back home, but trained on deer ambling alone through the piney woods, meat transformed into steak and sausage and stored in a freezer. Waiting to be called back to work, families eat venison for months. How people in these parts collect enough aunts, uncles, and cousins to fill up a school gymnasium. She wants to know if I floss regularly. Not the Bay Area Aquarium filled with anemones and neon-colored gravel on every incoming tide, a mixed soup, but the bayou set with trembling marsh grass, cypress stirring the pot, waiting for the sky to torch, a scrim of thunder, the rain. Judge Judy, opening statement. He planted daffodils, tea roses, peonies, morning glories to climb toward higher deities, bricks along the fence, surrounding the pole near begonias, the shed. I sit on a bag of miracle grow, stuck between canna stalks and calla lilies, hear a woodpecker on a smith corona, go back inside to grab a cold cola. Pleadings. Oh, Judge Judy, you brown-eyed Athena of cable television. If I handed over energy bills, birthday cards, wireless receipts, documented everything, 
How I listened for the echo of his boots from the carport to the kitchen. Never found the toilet seat turned up or sure when he'd make it home. My Cupid, a jingle on a cell phone. Then would you tell me not to unravel? Assign two years of community service, send me out to conquer dragons, help dull the arguments sawing my head. Judy, give me more than a rap from your gavel. The shoulds or shouldn'ts, freaking endless. A marvelous poem. Did you have another? Yes, I have one called Ode to Fred's, which is... It's a low discount chain that is throughout the South. So it, it's a place where you can find just about anything you need. Ode to Fred's. Fred's used super dollar store tucked behind a waffle house and a sonic drive through along 165 in Louisiana. How many times have I parked in your lot to pick up something I forgot on my weekend shopping trip, only to be detoured inside displays of purple, silver, blue foil trees on sale from last Christmas's Christmas, stacks of little Debbie cakes, her 4-H hair nestled inside a straw hat, urging me to bring home a caramel cookie, half-off red stickers, markdowns on fleece sweatpants from Pakistan, costing less than a place like Walmart. When suddenly I time-traveled to the Bronx beneath the subway going in and out of stores on my way home from school in a wool overcoat, gloves attached to sleeves with suspenders so I wouldn't lose them, wondering when I'd be able to step up to the counter and pay. Studied other people's plastic baskets filled with all the bright colors of adulthood. Thank you, Lenore Weiss. You're such an active, prolific writer. Can you give us a taste of your prose even perhaps your flash fiction, and explain the parameters of this relatively new popular literary form. I'd be glad to, Nina. Actually, flash fiction isn't new. Chekhov wrote a lot of flash fictions. It's They're really defined as short stories, which uh, are under a thousand words, and today they're getting very popularized because of the Internet and uh, our ability to want to read less <laughs> at one sitting. So uh, this is a story, a flash fiction called The Little Matchless Woman, and it's, uh, it's based on a tale by Hans Christian Andersen. The Little Matchless Woman. She lived behind the cyclone fence a few blocks from the freeway headed to Silicon Valley, Hers, an intertidal zone with big box stores like Home Depot and a 24-hour fitness where cars skidded past platoons of day workers in hoodies who waited for the call. Glad she didn't have to stand there. Who were they anyway, standing in heaps of garbage on the sidewalk in front of McDonald's? Near her tent 
was a Shell gas station that charged 15 cents more than the high street gas and food on the other side of the overpass, selling burritos for three ninety-five. She didn't have a car, walked or took the bus, knew how to turn a $5 bill into several meals at the dollar store on International Boulevard, where she used to microwave near the bathroom and heat up containers of top ramen, got herself a free cup of coffee, even though the manager said he was sick of her smelling up the place. Whenever she saw Tatiana behind the grill, she always washed at the Mexican restaurant. Blue and orange doors sat on the corner like a kid who was showing off. Quickly entered the store and head toward the bathroom that wasn't clean, but so what? Always something else floating in the sink. On her way out, she grabbed a handful of matchbooks, took the ones with red chili peppers holding hands on the front cover. At night, they talked about where they'd come from, small towns where the sun melted into copper wire. Digame mas, she'd say, and light up another cigarette. Sometimes she talked to the chili peppers in English, but they didn't understand her. Give me a light, she asked, a light. What is not to be learned about fire, light, and the act of giving? The matches were wet. They sputtered back. There was only one left, and she saved it for morning. The little matchless woman would have to return to the restaurant and hope that Tatiana was working the grill. How had the matches gotten wet? Dampness had seeped in into her. Nighttime, she heard the Amtrak on its way to Sacramento, looked over the fence to see cloudy faces. The people never saw her, quickly passed by in a blur of noses and mouths. Sometimes she counted them in her language. High in the sky, the matchless woman watched jets take off from the airport. But today, she saw a bulldozer as big as an elephant, remembered when her aunt brought her to the zoo after her mother had died. An elephant reached into her hand to vacuum a peanut from her fingers. Inside the fence, the bulldozer knocked down everything. A man with a blank face told her to leave. Using her one good match, she set fire to the place took off like an airplane down a runway, headed home. What's writing flash fiction like? I love writing flash fiction, Nina, because it combines two things, which is prose and and poetry, the compression of poetry, the real careful use of language and the right word, but also the storytelling of prose there is time is always an element whereas poetry it isn't necessarily the case but both of those things combined are a, a real challenge for me as a writer and I was able to teach a flash fiction course at San Francisco State over the summer which allowed me to really read a lot and practice a lot with with other students so it's a form that I find allows me to tell a lot of important stories in a small space. Do you have any place where listeners can find your work? 
Uh, yes, listeners can go to my website, which is www.lenoreweiss, all one word, dot com. That's www.lenoreweiss, all one word, dot com. And of course, your books can be found in independent bookstores and on the web. Lenore Weiss, you and I will be reading together this spring at the Frank Bett Center in Alameda. Do you have any other upcoming readings? Yes, I do, Nina, and thank you for asking. I'll be reading on Sunday, November 12th at the Jewish Community Library in San Francisco. And the address there is 1835 Ellis Street, and it begins at 1.30. And I'll be reading with three other poets. It's been a pleasure having you here. Oh, Nina, it's just been a delight. Thank you so much. I I really enjoyed reading for you. Thank you, Lenore Weiss, for sharing your wonderful work with us today. You've been listening to Open Book with host producer Nina Serrano. Thanks for listening, and I'm sending you all my very best wishes. You can find out about my new writings, broadcasts, and readings at ninaserrano.com. That's ninaserrano.com. You can also hear me with Jack Foley on the first Wednesday of the month and on La Raza Chronicles, all here on our precious free speech radio station, KPFA-FM. Ancestors stir the pot. The ancestors like the kitchen. They are called by the sound of chopping, the clatter of pots and pans, and the promise of slow cooking. Polo prompts, aren't you going to throw in a bay leaf? I don't like how it smells up the house, says Joe. But if more people might be coming, add another potato. Anna quietly says, it's nice to float a sprig of dill on top. Silent Rosa hints to add Gumi, though when she was alive, she didn't speak English. Her daughter, Rosita, agrees, admitting that she hated to cook. A little more garlic makes it better, Ida says encouragingly. Before I pop the lid on to let it simmer, they all laugh to remember that cut raw onions made them cry. Tacos. Es de amor profundo 
super burrito que llevaba aguacate y crema tú. Y tú me decías que tenías hambre. I would give that super burrito to you. Yeah, because my love for you is deeper than an ocean. Un mar de agua fresca de melón. Y si declaro que te adoro más que tacos, si te quiero un montón. I love you more than tacos. I love you more than tacos. I love you more than quesadillas, burritos y nachos. KPFA listeners, the Craneway Crafts Fair, KPFA's 47th annual holiday benefit, is shaping up beautifully. The fair takes place December 16th and 17th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. in the gorgeous, light-filled Craneway Pavilion on the Richmond Waterfront. We are ready to sign up volunteers to assist the exhibitors on Saturday and Sunday, plus setup on Friday. We will sign you up for a three-hour shift. The artisans and KPFA will sincerely appreciate your support. 
There will be 200 booths of original arts and crafts, festive food, and live entertainment at the Craneway Crafts Fair, December 16th and 17th. This is a fun chance to give back to KPFA. To sign up, please email volunteer at kpfa.org or call Kim at 510-848-6767, extension 244. See you at the fair. Howdy, boys and girls. This is Chris Welch inviting you to join me every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from 11 a.m. to noon for the talkies. We'll discuss almost everything. The news, of course, and also theater, music, books. Generally, what's happening in our own backyard and what we can do about it. Your questions and comments are a vital part of the proceedings. That's the talkies, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, 11 a.m. to noon on KPFA. Sure to catch Apex Express on KPFA. Apex Express is a weekly program following news and cultural events throughout Asia and the Pacific Islands. Find out about issues affecting Asian American and Pacific Islander communities locally and globally. Get on board the Apex Express Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. on KPFA. And you are listening to 94.1 KPFA and 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, 97.5 K248BR in Santa Cruz, and online at kpfa.org. The time is just about 4 p.m. Stay tuned next for Hard Knock Radio. One, two, three, four. 